Welcome to Exploring Possibility. I'm your host, Christopher Giel, and with this show, my mission is to empower you. I want to inspire those who have forgotten their true worth, their highest potential, and their ultimate capability. I'll be exploring topics that are aimed towards personal growth to help you gain insight and approach life with new perspectives. I want you to increase your impact and help you live a more fulfilling life because limited thinking equals limited being. Let the show begin. Hello guys and welcome to this episode of Exploring Possibility. I'm your host Christopher Giel. This is episode number 37. Uh, I'm your possibility explorer, your growth enthusiast, and just your host for this show. So welcome to all the new people that are listening to the show today. I just want to give you guys a warm welcome and let you guys know that you'll be in for a treat today. And then obviously to all my regular listeners, guys, super excited to have you back. As always, we're going to explore uh, like amazing topics. We're going to explore the idea of reframing today. So just like I've said before, I just want to keep exploring interesting ideas and things that inspire, things that motivate, things that encourage us to become better versions of ourselves. And with this person today, I'm going to give the intro and her name is Nikki Abdenor. She is an exceptional person. So Nikki was basically born without arms and also with shortened legs. And this left her with the physical disability that had no medical explanation. So she believes that supportive parents, a determined personality, and also the inclusion into mainstream education were key factors in overcoming her physical limitations. In my opinion, she still maintains a bigger smile than most people I see every single day. As you will hear throughout this episode, she's just like a bundle of joy. Her talks are packed with positive psychology, childlike joy, and tons of humor. So like I said, as we go throughout this episode, you'll actually see the, like you'll feel the personality. You'll just just feel that joy and the humor will also just strike through the episode and you'll, I'm sure you'll enjoy that and appreciate that as well. So we just, basically started off with like her model of the world and how she got to that. I mean, if you can imagine someone without arms and they are smiling all the time, they are happy or at least trying to be and attempting to, you know, have some sort of hold over this world that they are living in. I would say that she has things going for her. So, because I mean, if I look at so many others out there, they have also, they might not have these uh, disabilities, but they just they've got stinky attitudes they've got lousy attitudes i think there's so much that we can learn from her as we go throughout this episode we discuss obviously what reframing looks like to her and what the process looks like for her we just touched a little bit on growth mindset and then we just touched a little bit on her child um, you know history as a child and so looking in hindsight she was able to sort of like pinpoint the curiosity within that because that's the things that I like. I like the curiosity in the story. I like where that happened because I'm really obsessed with this idea of curiosity and always being an explorer, always going out there and finding out new things and exploring ideas and challenging beliefs and all these cool things. So I think that's it for this for this intro. That is Nikki Abdenor for you. And uh, yeah, before we jump in, I'd like you to just have this idea around reframing in your mind. How are you reframing the things that come into your, into your daily lives? If things happen to you, how are you reacting or responding to those events in your life? 
are you grabbing it by the horns and taking ownership, taking responsibility, or are you letting go of it? I think that's it for this ep- for the intro for this episode. So let's jump in and have a listen. So today, myself and my guest will be touching on a few interesting topics, and it's got to do with things like reframing your situation, rethinking what is happening happening around you, talking about perhaps things like empowering beliefs and perhaps your personal strengths. So I love always chatting about things that really stretch possibility in our lives. I like to chat about the things that can help you move towards your version of success and help you get a, like beyond your challenges and things that can help you grow. So for today's episode, obviously, like I mentioned in the intro, I've got Nikki Abdenor. So Nikki, welcome to the show. I'm super excited to have you on today and just discuss and touch on all those things that I just mentioned. Thanks, Christopher. It's great to be on the show. Awesome. So I had quite fun. Like I had a fun time researching and watching your videos and going through your your website and all of that and uh, I know that you've got a car that's been adapted to to your, you know your situation and as you were driving you were actually laughing and you were saying we're all gonna die <laughs> and I had one laugh because you sparked so much joy and that was quite heartwarming I, I really like that so mm-hmm. just for the audience that perhaps don't know as much as I do at this point about you and who want to perhaps get beyond the intro just tell us like a little bit more about who Nikki is, right? And then also perhaps mm-hmm. just what your connection is with uh, Venus the Milo. Okay. <laughs> well, I like to say that I was born without arms, but not without attitude. Love that. So I was <laughs> born with a physical disability. I was born without arms and shortened legs. And there was mo- no medical explanation for my disability, But I always say to people that I'm so grateful that my parents, despite not having any information about my disability, they chose to focus on what I can do, not on what I can't. So growing up, it was always, you know, not necessarily can Nikki do this. It was always how can Nikki do this? So for me, I always joke in my presentations that I'm grateful for the statue of the Venus de Milo because she proved to the world that a woman without arms can be beautiful. But I always think that she's an incredible attention seeker for not wearing a shirt. <laughs> that is so you were saying, uh, I know you wanted to know a little bit about the driving because you made reference to that video clip. I actually didn't even realize I said, we're all going to die on a video clip that's out <laughs> there for public viewing. I'll have to look that up. So funny though. Um, <laughs> Yes, um, for me, I think one of my greatest accomplishments in life was to drive a specially adapted car. So I always had the dream to drive. Growing up, obviously, mobility and independence were important to me. But in South Africa, I always found that there wasn't enough technology and financial support um, to help people with disabilities to drive. So there was a woman in the UK who I knew growing up growing up that had a very similar disability to mine and she was driving an adapted car and quite a few years ago now actually in 2001 she donated her car to me because she was getting a new one so since then I have been driving and it's always been the biggest joy I think I still clearly remember the day when I got my driver's license and I could drive for the first time on my own without 
anybody in the car with me. It was just the most incredible feeling of independence and freedom. Yeah, I can imagine that feels quite liberating at that, like the moment you get that, you know, like, wow, this this opens up so many new opportunities. This opens up so many mm-hmm. new uh, avenues for for joy, for just exp- like exploration and experience. I mean, that's just, yes, that's, I can just imagine. It's like when you go <laughs> to the, like when you, when you grow up and you go to see the ocean the first time ever or a mountain mm-hmm. or whatever it might be for you. And you're like, Look at this, like yeah. what, what life has to offer. That's amazing. So there's a few things that I'm taking from, from just that, which you just touched on your, like your, your, like a, just a brief view into your background and the way you change your narrative, the way you view the world is why I have you on today. Cause it's quite fascinating. Mm-hmm. I, I see so many people out there today who are actually struggling just to do that. They are struggling to to change their perspective or change at least the, the meaning they give to things. And um, one of the things why I mentioned Venus de Milo, it, it's to me what stood out, it, it's, like, it's like you found someone who was like similar to you in that they, they possessed or owned this, this, this meaningful thing, you know, that you perhaps also desired and use them as an example, like as a model that if they can do it, I can do it. And it's a beautiful way. Mm-hmm. I think so many of us out there can actually look at others who are perhaps of the same, if, if, if you feel like you've been limited by your, your race, for example, look at someone else out there who's perhaps a similar race, perhaps a similar age, who's done what you are looking to do. Or just if you can't do that, just imagine mm-hmm. that and, and work on that. I love how you were able to like create that picture or create that model for you in such a way. I think it's so empowering, right? It's so, mm-hmm. Where did you get that idea? Did you, where did that start? It actually started um, a few years ago when I was doing a TEDx talk. I spoke for TEDx Table Mountain and a good friend of mine and also a speaker, Bill Russell, him and I were working on ideas for my talk and something that he thought about quite a lot because he'd seen me speak before is that often when I step on stage, people are quite surprised about my disability. Now, I kind of make this grand entrance because you're perhaps not expecting to see someone with this severe physical disability. Mm. So I often found that when I started a talk, I wondered, were people even listening to me in the first couple of minutes? Because they were kind of just taking it in first. Um, So he said that a great way to start off is to actually have a bit of humor because I must say like my sense of humor is what's like kept me sane throughout my life. So he said like bring that into your talk and then he actually came up with the idea of the Venus de Milo and I think it's a great way to break the ice and I'd always known about that statue and it's so interesting because we all learned about that statue as being incomplete like Mm. it got ruined arms were broken off and it is incredible to think about like actually that's her greatest power i wonder if that statue would be so known today if she did have arms wow that's such a powerful way to see that and then once again the meaning you add to that like it's it's beautiful Mm. and it's also so interesting how you made that connection and how your, your mentor, your friend in a way helped you structure your, your talk for that, because I can actually see that working. If you get onto stage and you, in a way you already answer the questions that people have and you break that pattern that they have 
by using some mm. humor and just like get them out of it. And then like, so in, in a way they connected with you and now they can listen because you, I also know you, you know, you start with like a quick, quick uh, frequently asked question just to like, <laughs> yes. this is it. If you've been thinking about this, <laughs> let me answer it for you. <laughs> Yeah, and it's also to break the ice and tell people, listen, you're allowed to laugh with me. Mm. Sometimes, uh, you know, years ago I'd speak to an audience and they almost would feel like maybe it would be offensive if I mm. laughed right now. So it's interesting how, you know, people's different cultural backgrounds or perceptions about disability, you know, that's why humor is so therapeutic. Yeah, no, definitely. You've, uh, you've definitely learned to, like I said in the beginning, how you learn to reframe your situation. I just want to know from you, like, what did that process look like for you? And like, I'd like you to just take us through that because I can imagine, imagine so many others who might be going through, I don't know, similar situations where they are stuck in a loop and, you know, like in terms of what is happening to them. And they are just bathing in this idea of my life is fixed. You know, I don't, mm. I don't have this or I don't have that. Or, and you just come up and you say, use what you have. So use the resource at your disposal. I just want to see like, is that your view? And then also what that process looks like for you. Yes. Well, I, I definitely think um, it's about your view or perspective of things. And like you say, we can always find a story of somebody who's got similar circumstances that has overcome it. So sometimes I think we kind of trapped in our story and the, the woe is me and life is terrible and I can't do this. But I think I often say that South Africans and we've got this habit of whenever somebody gives us a suggestion or some advice, we get in the yeah, but mode. Like, yeah, but that's not going to work because of A, B and C. Yeah. So for me, I think, um, and I mentioned it in my TEDx talk, is that the biggest um, mindset change that I made was actually at a very young age. So being a practicing clinical psychologist, I'm always making reference to the fact that when I studied psychology, I kept thinking, wow, actually this is something that I put into practice in my life growing up, but I didn't even realize what I was doing. So when I was a young girl, if you see any video footage of me, you can see I was really determined and probably very stubborn, but I wanted to do everything possible, like along with my friends. I never saw myself as having a disability. I didn't focus on my limitations. And I think because I grew up in mainstream education, it wasn't facing me every day. And I will admit that sometimes when I saw somebody else with a disability when I was younger, I almost like shied away from them because I felt like, no, this reminds me of the things that I've got so-called wrong in my life. Mm. So growing up, I just wanted to do everything. And as I grew older, I wasn't able to take part in everything on a physical level. So I used to swim in the gala at school, run an athletics day. I even played tennis. It was no Venus Williams, but I held the rackets mm -hmm. between my chin and shoulder. But um, at a stage when I was about, say, about 10 or 11 years old, my friends, they all grew taller and stronger than me, and I couldn't take part in everything. And that's when I really had to shift my mindset and think to myself, I'm going to focus on my strengths. You know, I had a choice then. Was I going to just be really upset and depressed that I can't do everything with my friends, or am I going to focus on what I can do? 
And for sure, my strengths when I was at school was academics and also speech and drama, which I suppose is no surprise. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and those were my strengths. And I think that that really pulled me through and changed the focus for me. Yeah, I can definitely see that when, uh, when you speak and when you refer back to, to all these things that happened and how you went through those processes and how it shaped you in a way. And I think you, you've, you've made it. You've, you've came out quite well. I think you've, <laughs> you've done a great job. So well done. <laughs> so I know that you <laughs> also, you. in your talks, you, you mentioned that your parents were also there for you and they were also the ones who believed in you. And there's a lesson that I take from that. There's an insight that I can grab from that. And it's, it tells me or it shouts out to me how important it is to have your group, the people who surround you, whether it's your parents, whether it's relatives who you get in contact with mostly, whether it's friends and um, colleagues, try and get to the people who believe in you. Try and get around people who can uplift you and inspire you to become a better version, whether that's through challenge or whether that's in another way. But just I think that was so crucial to you also growing up because they could have done things entirely different. They could have done the opposite and tried to like shy away, trying to keep you like distant mm. from the world and in this like shell. And they didn't They actually believed in you. And I just think like, I, w I wanted your perspective on, on what you think the, the benefit is of having like that kind of peer group or that kind of influence in your life? Like how vital is it for anyone who's perhaps listening today and have not perhaps thought about that at this point? Because they might be trying to do these things, but it's quite tough when you have the people closest to you say the opposite. Yes. No, I, I believe strongly about the nature versus nurture. So as much as our own resilience and personality and things that we can work on within ourselves, that we need the nurture, we need the environment to foster that development. So um, I definitely am very grateful for my parents because growing up, they never made me feel like I needed to hide my disability in any way. And I think in South Africa, in a lot of rural communities, parents are discouraged to showcase their children that have disabilities <laughs> because in a lot of cultures, they believe that maybe the mom did something wrong or the family's cursed. So often they would hide their children with disabilities. So for me, I, I never grew up thinking that um, I was different or I had to be ashamed. And, and that really helped me. And, and what you say about people today that might be listening to this podcast is to think about, you know, sometimes our parents can't always do what we need them to do. And this is from coming from a psychological perspective. It's not necessarily that you didn't deserve the love or nurture or care um, that you might have not received. It's, it's just that sometimes people aren't equipped with that. They are struggling themselves and they can't give us what they need. So I feel very strongly that people will be listening that maybe didn't have the, um, the love and care that I might have got in my life. But to think about, like you say, how do you create a community of people that can strengthen you? I mean, you can re-script your life. You know, once we realize what maybe was lacking growing up, we can find other relationships, connections, experiences to develop that within ourselves. 
So I'm quite grateful that I grew up in a small community. I grew up in East London in the Eastern Cape. And I think that had a lot to do with also my development and my growth. Um, being in a small community, people knowing who I am, um, that was very comforting. So there's a lot to say about how a community or the saying a village raises a child. I, I hear you speak a lot about strengths and how you speak into that you should be f- not just finding them, but focusing on them. And I'm sure you need to nurture them. You need to, you need to work through those strengths and develop them. And, uh, but also on top of that, which I, cause I find that super valuable. I, since I've, I've been on this this journey where I'm, I'm finding my own strengths and starting to see it more and more. And the more I try and test things, the more it like shows me this way you need to go, this way you need to go, this now you need how you need to pivot. And the, the other side of that is our shortcomings. And you speak about that as well. You speak about how the shortcomings are there, but mostly they exist in our heads. And I, I'd like you to expand a little bit on that, on what you mean by that. Because I think it's one of those things where you can you can't see the label when you are inside the bottle. So, how do you suggest people go at that? Like, what what do you mean by by it only sits in our heads? How can people sort of like understand that a little bit better and then approach that in an empowering way? Well, I think the perfect example is that we see things differently to what others see, um, and. As a therapist, where this rings so true is sometimes somebody will be sitting in front of me for therapy and on the outside, they look perfect. They're beautiful. They're well-groomed. They seem to have the most perfect lives on Facebook. Probably everyone thinks, oh my goodness, I wish I was them. Yep. And they've got the lowest self-esteem. They feel like they're not good enough. So it's, again, to recognize that maybe on the outside doesn't necessarily mean what's on the inside. So in my mind, focusing on your strengths is so important because we are hardwired to focus on the things that we can't do. And we beat ourselves up over those things. We compare ourselves to others. We doubt our own abilities. And, and so often we're spending more time on trying to develop our so-called weaknesses instead of actually focusing on what we can do. So from positive psychology, I just love the kind of mantra they use is don't ignore wrong, but focus more on what is right. And I think that that's really important. Like I'm not here to say that I'm ignoring that there are a lot of things that I can't do because there is a long list. But I feel it's so important to focus on what I can do um, and and help others to see what their strengths are because sometimes we don't see them straight away. I also, that's that's why I just mentioned, uh, the more I tried to pursue whatever that was, the more it like became clear to me. So it's not just thinking about yes. it, but actually going through that and having not just internal feedback, but also external feedback from others who can actually see they can typically like sometimes they can see they can see more than you, <laughs> and it's the same yeah. thing. We can't see outside of the bottle when you're inside the bottle. You can't see the label on the mm-hmm. outside, right? Yeah, for sure. There's there's two things I want to touch on, and the one is you mentioning you doing what you can with what you have, which I f- I find is one of the most powerful things that you can adopt for anyone listening today. It's one of the most powerful beliefs or ways of thinking that you can adopt to just empower yourself in this moment to be able to just do what you have. Do what you can with what you have. Because as you mentioned, Nikki, you said 
that even your parents, if you didn't perhaps grow up in the best uh, circumstances, your parents also just did what they could with what they had at the end of the day. And if we mm-hmm. understand that, just in that is liberation because you can then like free yourself from, from all these, these, these shackles that you put on yourself where mm. because of that, I'm now this. And you can just liberate yourself and be free and now start this, this new journey. So that's the one thing that I, that I took from, from, from what you just said, which is quite powerful, is doing what you can with what you have. The second thing is with regards to that, there's also, because I just want to get like very clear on this. There's this, you speak about this idea in um, positive psychology about you focus on the things which are right, but I think like myself way back, I would have taken that too literally and I wouldn't have, I would have sort of like pushed the things that are bad, really bad to the side, but never deal with that. So that's the Mm -hmm. thing that I want to sort of like just address now. And with that, bring in the idea of the growth mindset. Have you ever heard about the growth mindset or studied the growth mindset? And how does that work into play with what you just said with focusing on what is right? I just want to clear it out for people so they don't go and, okay, positive, we're just <laughs> going to focus on that and we're going to go down this hole and we're just no. going to ignore the out. So <laughs> let's expand on that and then get some clarity so we don't leave people hanging in that area. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, for sure. Um, I think that what we've got to remind ourselves and like you, it's such a good thing that you you brought this up is that I'm in no way saying that everyone must be positive all the time and <laughs> that there's no space for negative emotion. Yeah. I think when you are in a space to focus on your strengths, it's because you've worked out what some of your limitations might be and you've processed them. So it's, it's so important to recognize that there has to be a balance of that. And like you say, if you ignore it, then it comes out in different ways. It gets triggered And I think that that's what's happening a lot for people during lockdown even, because now we're stuck with our own thoughts and we can't avoid stuff as much as we used to. So if you had a very difficult relationship, you'd be very busy at work and doing other things and not really spending much time on your relationship. Now you're stuck with that person like 24-7 and you have to deal with stuff. Um, it's the same for our work. I think that a lot of people, um, if they are lucky enough to still be able to work during lockdown, they're finding what they actually do like about their work, but also some of the aspects that they don't miss at all, um, that maybe they need to kind of decide on what's important in life after this lockdown. Like what do, what do they really need to focus on? So, For sure, I think the lockdown is giving us an opportunity to no longer run away from things, like really to to focus on what we have to work on and to learn quite a few lessons about ourselves because we are kind of just stuck with our thoughts. Um, I believe in being like a realistic optimist. Mm. So you have an emotional mind like in... um, in some ways that we we are connected to our emotion, but also that we have a good rational mind about thinking about what's what's really possible and what we need to work on. Yeah, I've also heard someone else bring up that that idea of the realistic optimist. Yeah. Right? It's <laughs> such a cool way because it's almost like I love it because it brings in a little bit of balance because an optimist <laughs> can sometimes be on the extreme end. And then you also mm-hmm. get the realist who's like two in the moment, like two just now and not thinking about anything else. And a realistic, optimistic, 
it just it just it brings it into balance a little bit more. Like there's 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 a little bit play on both ends, and I like that. I love that. So like what I'm going to take mm-hmm. from that again is is once again it brings us back to sort of like the core of this conversation, which is to bring you back to just being aware and self-aware of your strengths, being aware of what that is that you can focus on, not ignoring what's bad or what's, what's, what's your, you know, your limitations, like address them, be aware of them, but don't dwell on them. Don't stay there. Mm-hmm. Don't linger. Rather just understand it, see what it means for you, and then shift your, your focus towards what you then can do at that point with what mm-hmm. you have in your line of strengths. I think that's amazing. So let's say we get, we get people to understand this concept and now live in this balance and we start to move and perf- like forward and we start to pursue things that we perhaps desire or we, we like yourself, how you were when you were younger, you were ambitious and you were driven to reach and do these things as a child. I feel like some, so many of us lose that as we get older. And I wanted to like touch on mm-hmm. that quickly just to see why you think that is like what, what, what is, what causes it? Is it fear? Like, what would you say? What is your, what is your um, take on that? Well, I think ultimately if we all think back to when we were toddlers, like say when we were two, three, four years old, back then we believed like we, anything was possible and it actually drove our parents insane because (laughs) we would see a wall and we'd think like, oh, well, this is a great idea. I'm going to climb this. Um, Or I could jump out of this tree and land like quite safely on the ground. So it's to think about that way of being um, as a child. And then what happens is we grow up and I feel strongly the two things that happen is that we compare ourselves to others and then we doubt our own abilities So something that stuck with me to date is a woman came to our school when I was probably about 12 years old and she did a speech at one of our assemblies and she asked us all a question and she asked everybody in the hall to say, how many of you can sing? Can you put your hand up? And I was actually quite unfair that she asked them to put their hands up (laughs) for me. (laughs) But anyway, (laughs) not many people put their hands up. And when you looked Mm -hmm. at this group of children in the hall, say we were between nine years old and 12 years old, all the younger ones had their hands up, the older ones didn't. And then she asked us the same question when you were younger, say when you were four years old, if I asked you the question, who can sing, who would have put their hands up? And the reality is that all of us would have put our hands up and some of us might've even wanted to jump on stage and just show everyone how well we can sing. Mm. But she highlighted the question wasn't who can sing well, it was who can sing and we can all sing. We all have a voice. So that really stuck with me from a Mm. young age to think what happened with that group as, as 12 year olds, what did we do when we were asked who can sing? We looked around us. We looked at who's putting their hands up and what happens if we put our hands up? Will that be that we're being very um, vain about our abilities or maybe people will disagree and we can't sing that well? So it's it's really a, a good question to ask all of ourselves is why were we so strong in our beliefs at a young age, but as we grow older, we doubt ourselves? Yeah, it's a super powerful question. Um, and that's probably going to lead into the next like idea that I have around 
if we now lose that, is that the first step that we take in, in sort of just finding this, this childlike curiosity again? Is that the first step if you've perhaps lost, whether it's curiosity, whether it's drive, whether it's ambition, whether it's whatever it is, whether it's belief in yourself, is mm-hmm. that the first step that you suggest someone take when they want to step out of that and, and get beyond that to liberate themselves again and to get back mm. into that state where they can enjoy life again and pursue things, you know, without hesitation? Because I think it's the hesitation where, where people get stuck is they want to do things, they look around and they hesitate and they pull back. <laughs> so would that be the first step? And is there anything you wanted to add to that process perhaps? Well, I do think it's like to try and access or ignite that inner child in you and that child that believed that you had unlimited possibilities. And maybe to ignite that inner child, it is to to play, to have fun again, um, not to be afraid of what other people think, um, to be able to be vulnerable Um, I think that that's the first process. And then the second process is also to recognize that our uniqueness is our greatest strength. It's so interesting that everybody Mm. wants to be the same. So they're comparing themselves to others. Um, They want to have the same lives as other people do on social media. But then at the same time, those people who are in the limelight, they are holding on to their uniqueness. That is what gets them recognition or credibility. So it's actually quite a, a conundrum that we're trying to be just like everybody else. But at the same time, it's our uniqueness that's our ultimate strength and that can make us be seen in the world. It's actually, now that you mention it, this, this thing about being unique, it's so straightforward, but it's, been also, it's also been a recurring theme uh, among the people that I actually interview and the people that I speak to. So mm-hmm. you can see the people that are really like successful in their own version, in their own way, the people who have a lot of happiness in their own life, the people who have meaning and purpose are typically the people mm-hmm. who are just living themselves. They are like integral to who they are. They are authentic. They come through a um vulnerability and they are really living this idea of just being unique because that's just who they are. And it just adds so much more joy and it opens up so many more dimensions into, into life of what's possible again. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it brings back to the idea of what the show is all about and that's exploring the possibility, whatever that is for you, the possibility of a better, yeah. a better career or a better relationship or a better health or better, whatever it might be, the possibility of that. One of the, the last things that I wanted to touch on was this idea around hidden disabilities. Um, mm. You mentioned it in your talks and I wanted to like get people to understand what that is because I've thought about this many times. And I, I, when, when I see people who are disabled, I think to myself, that's just a physical part of the disability. We, we as people also have disabilities in other ways. And you then through your talks, we're able to, to sort of like label this with hidden disabilities. I was never able to sort of understand or just put a label to it or, or like have a language mm. for it, but you were able to clearly bring that forward and articulate that for me and, and bring it in such a way that I can understand it. But now for others who might not know what a hidden disability is, what, what do you mean by hidden disabilities and how can we use that to, to our advantage? How can that open up potential for us? 
Well, you know, for me, I mean, not to take away, you know, this the seriousness mm. of hidden disabilities, like obviously a physical one, I always say that I was at a little bit of an advantage because when people meet me, they know exactly what some of my limitations might be. Maybe right. when they get to know me, they might question those things they thought. Mm-hmm. But when people have hidden disabilities, I mean, for me, it started with understanding psychology and understanding that people who experience depression and anxiety, those are hidden disabilities because we don't see them straight away. Um, You know, autism spectrum is another hidden disability. There are so many, but I take it further to say that it might not necessarily be a diagnosable disability that we have, but it sometimes might be a low self-esteem Um, It might be a fear of public speaking. It might be um, impatience. You know, there could be so many hidden disabilities that become a block to you. So when this became very clear to me was when I met a friend who had psychological challenges. Mm. And it was the first time that I could see that the hidden disability can have as much impact, if not even more than a physical one. And I could so strongly identify with her because the both of us were fighting very different challenges, but for the same degree of independence. So I think that for me, being born with a physical disability from the start, my parents and myself, we knew exactly what my challenges would be. But for somebody with a hidden disability, we're not always aware of them straight away. And we don't get the same empathy from others because they don't understand. I mean, we work very hard to hide our disabilities. So what you've got to recognize is, is the importance of getting clarity about what yours might be. And then how do you compensate for them or how do you overcome them? Because that ultimately is what you need to do. Otherwise, they just trigger us throughout our lives and we don't fully comprehend how they're impacting on our functioning. Yeah, definitely. Makes so much sense because we might have this blind spot that is just hanging Mm. there and pulling back so much potential, you know, pulling back so Mm. many things of what's possible for us. And, And like you said, if you can just like put some focus on that just to just to address it, just to start seeing what that is and how you can perhaps work at it. Not to forever, like once again, linger on that and stay there forever, mm-hmm. but just to understand how you can sort of like disconnect from that. So it doesn't yeah. affect your life in an everyday manner, right? So yeah, it's, it's been quite a phenomenal talk and phenomenal discussion, but this brings us to the point where we get into what I call the three impact questions. So it's just three okay. short questions that I have for you, um, just so people have something to take away after this discussion. So in a way, we're going to summarize what we've said so people okay. have an action step to go home and do something about what we've said, right? So important. Okay, great. So first question is, is what is one small action that anyone listening today to this podcast can, what, what action can they take after this discussion to just at least start opening up their own potential? That's something that they can do to just start exploring the possibility of whatever's important to them. What is that, what is that one small action that you can advise people on? Okay. One small action is to develop an attitude of gratitude. 
I think so often, like we've spoken today, is that people are focusing on what is wrong. Um, they're feeling like they're trapped by their story, their circumstances. The fact remains is that people who have everything aren't necessarily happy. It's people who are grateful for what they do have that are truly happy. So sometimes we can look at somebody who seems to have so many obstacles in their life, but they radiate joy and somebody else who seems to have everything in life and they're miserable. So I want to challenge everyone to do a basic gratitude journal that every day you think about three things that you're grateful for. And some days it's going to be easy and other days it's going to be more difficult. Very, very true. I also, I've heard someone else before say that your it's actually your attitude towards your life that determines your life quality because you can have everything mm -hmm. that you, they say, all these material possessions, but then you have a stinky attitude and you don't, you know, mm -hmm. you're always like in a, in a, in a, in a hurry or you're always frustrated or you're always angry or whatever it mm -hmm. might be. There's a disempowering emotion and that, brings down the quality of life. So your attitude is definitely going to gonna sway things. So develop yeah. an attitude of gratitude. I think that's super key. Mm -hmm. Once again, I think it, it points back to uh, your, your entire thing that you want to give to us is, is to focus on what you can do also now and focus on mm -hmm. what you have, right? That's so powerful. Yeah. Second question is, is what is one small thing or one thing rather that someone today can stop doing that is perhaps limiting their potential. So now we did the, what they can do, what should they <laughs> stop doing? <laughs> I believe that people need to stop comparing themselves to others. I mean, we've spoken about yes. it in this discussion already, but it's, it's so damaging. Um, people need to think about their own uniqueness and um, what they can get through in their own lives. Other people are creating perceptions of themselves that might not really be accurate. So stop comparing yourselves to others and stop doubting your own abilities. I was just about to ask you to just expand on why you say people should stop okay. comparing, but you just mentioned, you said you're mm -hmm. creating these perceptions that are inaccurate. And I think that, that gives mm -hmm. it to us, like you have this this false perception and that's going to drive your life. This false perception mm. is going to make you once again, like you said, hesitate and all those things. Now, the last uh, question that I have for you for, as the impact question that people can go and think about is what question do you want to leave people with today to go and think about perhaps um, to once again, lead back to the idea of potential. What question can they ask themselves? What question can they ponder about? Okay, in, in terms of a question for everybody listening is what comes to mind is a book that I read many, many years ago that had a profound impact on me. It's Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. And one of his observations in the book is that when we're no longer able to change our situation, that's when we challenge to change ourselves. So, so often we want our situation to change and that's not always possible. And right now, during lockdown, I mean, we've got a perfect example of that. We can't change our situation. There's a lot of uncertainty. So the question that I want to ask you is how can you change yourself? What do you need to do to change the way you are approaching this time on your own? What is the things that you need to do differently when 
you eventually come out of this quarantine period. We're learning a lot about ourselves. We're finding that we can't always avoid the difficult stuff. So what are you going to do to change yourself in this situation? I am so, so, so grateful for <clears throat> giving you that space to, to think about that because that is such a powerful, not only a powerful question, but so relevant for today as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and I think it's always going to be relevant because we're always going to have challenges, challenges that mm-hmm. come up. COVID-19 is just another form, right? It's just another yeah. wave. So powerful. Very, very thank you for that. I just want to yeah, thank, say thanks for that. So <laughs> Nikki, where can people get hold of you if they want to learn more about you or perhaps get in touch and see what you do or, you know, what, where can people, okay. you Nikki is. The best way to contact me is through my website. It's www.nikkiabdenor.com. I know my, my name's not the easiest to spell. It's N-I-C-K-Y. And my surname is A-B-D-I-N-O-R.com. And you can connect with me there via email. I have a Facebook page, Nikki Abdenor Inspirational Speaker. And you can also contact me through my nonprofit organization called Nikki's Drive. Brilliant. So guys, if you still tuned in, thank you so much for listening. I'm going to add those links into the show notes of this episode. So you can just quickly be directed to these websites that Nikki has mentioned. And then closing question, Nikki, would be just in what way would you like to inspire, empower, or impact the world? I think the bottom line is that I like to make people think about things in a different way. So we spoke about earlier about driving an adapted car Besides the mobility and freedom it gives me, my greatest joy is to step out of that car and people see somebody without arms is just driven. And you should see the expression on their face. They're absolutely astounded. So for me, that is priceless to make people realize what is possible. Love it. So empowering all those perspectives out there. I absolutely love it. So that's that's beautiful. Uh, Nikki, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for just showing up as... Nikki Abdenor, just being yourself. <laughs> I love that. So many of us uh, struggle to do that these days. And so I just want to say thank you for stepping up. Thank you for doing the work that you do in this world. And thank you for just like maintaining that smile, you know, uh, regardless of, <laughs> of what situations are or what we have or what we do or whatever it might be. Thank you for just like reframing, rethinking, reapproaching, and just inspiring all of us out there to perhaps think differently about our lives as well. Thank you. Thanks so much, Christopher. It was good fun. Awesome. Nikki, I'll be in in touch. (laughs) Keep well. Yes, yeah. I look forward to listening to it. That is about it for the episode. And I hope that you guys enjoyed all of that. I hope that you found a new insight or some sort of new aha moment within that discussion and hope that you were able to see some of your situations or events in your life a little bit differently just from listening to her story and also how she approaches life. There's so much to learn from these types of people. There's so much to gain in terms of wisdom, in terms of perspective. So I really hope that you dug deep into this conversation, you listened intentionally all the way through and that you got some value out of this episode. 
I always, always, always encourage people to go and take some action or at least go and reflect on what you've learned so you can integrate that into your own experience. If you liked any of this and you think you want to continue this conversation, please hop onto our community. You can do so via going onto the website, exploringpossibility.co.za or alternatively just jump onto Facebook and search Exploring Possibility or Hive Mind. That's the name of the community. So that's where we continue the discussion. That's where we ask questions. That's where we try and move towards the better version of ourselves, go towards breakthroughs and just build an awesome like-minded community. If that sounds like you, if you are the type of person that wants to become a better, a better version of yourself, this group is going to be exactly what you need. That's it for this episode. So I'll see you guys in the next episode of Exploring Possibility. And remember, don't be afraid to explore and find the possibility. Keep expanding your potential, guys. Cheers.